Welcome to Lessons from the Helpful Dead, where you'll learn the world is not what it seems, and you are much more than you think you are. Here you'll learn about positive and reassuring messages from supposedly dead people whose main purpose is to help us. Find out what happens after we die, why we're here, how we got here, where we're going, and discover that you are really a powerful, eternal spirit. I'm Dan McEnany. In the last section, or session rather, last session, I I pointed out that uh, there's evidence that we are all tourists. And uh, to look at that evidence, I said we needed to look at the experience of Edgar Cayce and Bob Monroe, followed by the explanations uh, that the entity Seth gave that relate to our being tourists. So today I'm going to cover Edgar Cayce and Bob Monroe and their experiences that are relevant. Uh, As I said, I'm not going to take you over all the details of each of these men because I've covered them uh, in detail in previous discussions. Edgar Cayce, you may remember, was the man who discovered that he could go into trance, and while in trance he could uh, examine the physical condition of any person who wished to have their condition examined, and uh, to prescribe a uh, some kind of a cure for whatever was ailing them. And he could do this uh, at any distance. The, the person could be anywhere, didn't matter. And he also uh, demonstrated, in the course of doing this, he demonstrated that uh, he could take his consciousness uh, <clears throat> not only uh, in space and, and different places in space, but also could move back and forth in time And he could also go to a place that he called the Akashic Records, uh, where uh, he said that uh, every event that ever ever happened or will happen were stored. Uh, During his uh, career, let's say, he never charged any money, you might remember, but uh, a man named Arthur Lammers came down from uh, Dayton, Ohio, and started asking him questions uh, about uh, religion, the nature of the soul, and philosophy, and so forth. And that's the uh, part that I'm going to address right now. Uh, Remember, um, Casey read the Bible every day of his life and was uh, very much a Christian and believed totally in the Bible. But in trance, which was when he was able to prescribe his cures, uh, in trance uh, for this man, Arthur Lammers, he did answer uh, in a way uh, that explained things not quite the way the Bible does. So when questioned by uh, Arthur Lammers in trance as to how he, Casey, first entered the earth plane, Casey explained he was part of a group of spirits traveling through the universe. I'll repeat that. He explained he was part of a group of spirits traveling through the universe. When they were attracted to earth and the idea of joining their consciousness with the physical animal body, uh, the animal body consciousness of us humans on that planet, Now, at first, uh, these spirit entities who joined with the uh, animal body consciousness, at first they were well aware of their true nature as spirits uh, when they were in these bodies. But gradually, over time and incarnations, they apparently lost that awareness. And uh, they thought they were only the human consciousness inside the body 
which is pretty much where we are today. <laughs> they thought they were only the human consciousness inside a body, and that was a kind of a low point. Then gradually they became more aware of their true nature, and each at his or her or its own pace, started to realize to varying degrees that they were actually spirits, temporarily ensconced in a physical body each time they incarnated. So the key point, again, is that they were a group of spirits traveling through the universe when they decided to try out earth life. They were travelers, tourists, if you will, deciding to experience a version of life uh, that we know. Now, you may remember there were two uh, books about Casey that I, I relied on for information. One was quite popular, a, a bestseller, in fact, and that was uh, the, the Sleeping Prophet uh, by Jess Stern. The other book was There is a River by Thomas Sugrue. Well, in Sugrue's book, um, he didn't go into depth as to uh, whether or not they would be make these spirits would be making many stops on their journey right but presumably if they were traveling through the universe and saw something that attracted them presumably they'd be making a lot of stops on their journey through the universe so the reincarnational phase that we have of going into and out of physical bodies experiencing firsthand time space individualized consciousness emotions, and all the other rude assumptions that prevail here, that's something these spirits wanted to do, much as a tourist might want to visit museums, climb pyramids, or experience wild river rapids in a rubber raft, but then move on after the experience is realized for whatever excitement, growth, or learning it might bring. Now, Toward the end of uh, Sugru's book, There is a River, he summarized in 15 pages Casey's comments on philosophy and the journey of souls, which is why I'm talking about it here. Now, you have to realize everyone who channels has a filter affected by his or her own beliefs. And since Casey was an intensely religious Christian, some of the material has a heavy traditional religious flavor. But much of it is simply stated as the way things are. Once you're not limited in awareness by being in a physical earth body. It gives some philosophical background as to why we're all traveling tourists. So I'll just briefly summarize a part of it here. Now, Sugru's material talks about a sea of spirit. A sea of spirit content and aware of itself, that desired to express itself and have companionship. All of creation is an expression of its thought. The separate mind it created did everything it imagined. Now the material terms this sea of spirit God. The souls, that which we are, fit into all this by experiencing all of creation unlimited with free will and the knowledge that it was an individualized consciousness, but also, at the same time, a part of God. So God would know itself through the experiences of these souls, which were powerful, eternal creators of whatever they wished. 
Now, for those souls attracted to experience within the earth bodies, as mentioned, at first they only lightly inhabited the bodies, remembering their true identity as souls, but they gradually descended into earthiness, remembering their true selves only in dreams, stories, and fables. And now, as a result of their yearning for lost memories, parts of these souls gradually developed religion, philosophy, and science in an attempt to explain what they felt but no longer knew to be true. In this explanation, our present era is described as one of great spiritual darkness, the kind of darkness that comes just before the dawn. It contends that science, philosophy, and theology are approaching a point of merger. Now, in this explanation, Christ is positioned as a soul that had completed its experience of creation and had returned to God, becoming a companion and co-creator, interested in the plight of its brother souls trapped in the earth. So it took form itself from time to time to act as a teacher and a leader to help lead humanity back to its true nature. Now, the entity when he came in had to be male in order to be active in the civilizations where it entered because they were male-dominated civilizations. As Enoch and Melchizedek, the spirit was not born, the Christ spirit was not born and did not die, but instead just took on flesh. In later incarnations, the Christ spirit set a pattern for man by being born of woman. He came in as Joseph, Joshua, Jeshua, and Jesus. Okay, so... Uh, Sugru's summary, therefore, gives us one overall perspective as to why we as souls travel through universes which we co-create. Now, the part of his summary that agrees strongly with other input we've discussed is that God knows itself through the experiences of its creations, us souls, who are in ourselves powerful eternal spirits, who continually create new realities and experiences through which God eternally continues to know its ever-expanding, ever-creating self. We need to start thinking of ourselves this way. A lot of us are down at that low point just mentioned. We think we're nothing more than a consciousness trapped in a physical body, and we either have no idea what happens afterward or if indeed anything at all happens. It's difficult to see a way out of our current earth predicaments when that is the way we see ourselves and our existence. But when we realize we're spirits who came into this reality for our own purposes and that we actually co-create the reality, it becomes much easier to start viewing earth life as a means to grow and expand our experience and to realize that by loving and helping one another and creating positive feelings and relationships and objects of beauty that others can enjoy, we can enhance and accelerate the growth that we desire by our very nature. All right, <clears throat> All right. Now, now let me uh, turn to Bob Monroe, whom I've covered extensively uh, in detail. He was the famous out-of-body traveler, 
who uh, was enlightened by the inspect, the intelligent species who guided him through the universe uh, on his various travels. For our purposes in this session, it is uh, Bob Monroe's second book, Far Journeys, that is most significant. And that's because in it, he relates in detail what he learned about how he and a friend from what, what he called KT-95, that's the base universe, uh, how uh, he and his friend from KT-95 first got attracted to Earth life. How did he learn this? Well, he was thrown a rote by the intelligent species that were guiding him. Apparently, in the spirit form, communication is nonverbal. A rote is a non-material thought ball that contains a lot of information. A being such as Monroe can focus in on it and absorb the information in the thought ball. <laughs> when Monroe started to, quote, run the rote, or examine the information in the thought ball, <clears throat> he experienced what might be likened to a television program where someone peers into a crystal ball and witnesses a reality from another time or place. In this case, Monroe was AA and his friend was BB. They were on a cruise through the universe, which left from their home base universe, which as I mentioned is KT-95, and stopped at many different realities where they could observe the environment and the inhabitants, or if they felt more adventurous, they could actually enter into that reality and temporarily experience it as the local inhabitants do. Now the tour guide was announcing their last entry into the time-space illusion that is Earth, in which, <clears throat> as a result of our activities, Thoughts and emotions emit something that he termed M-band noise. That's capital M, M-band noise, right? All right, as Monroe and his friend Bibi were observing the Earth inhabitants and our environment, Bibi got excited about the prospect of joining in and actually experiencing it firsthand. He had never felt anything like its incredible power. His attraction was so strong that he ignored the warnings of the tour guide that the time-space illusion experience could become addictive and that an entity could get so enmeshed with the experience he could forget entirely who he really was. Now, this is similar, now you might remember, to what Edgar Cayce explained in Trance as to how spirits, including himself, gradually lost the memory of who they really were until they hit a low point and slowly started to realize their true nature. Well, anyway, continuing with the BB's tour and with his strong attraction to the M-band noise, he rushed up to the entry director who monitors and controls the entry of spirits into the time-space illusion. He gets his directions mixed up. He gets lost in the dense, complex environment of the time-space illusion. Now, Monroe then devotes 38 pages in Far Journeys, 38 pages to a detailed account of how B.B. eventually gets involved in more physical lifetimes in the time-space illusion, how A.A., that is Monroe, how Monroe finds him, and how B.B., quote, tosses him a rote, 
close quote, right? Tosa Zimmer wrote, about entities who created Earth and why. Obviously, Monroe himself eventually got attracted to Earth life and is experiencing it now in his physical incarnations and between-life experiences. Now, those 38 pages read like the script of a radio program, complete with dialogue among the characters that gives you a good feeling for the frustrations that B.B. felt after one of his first incarnations as a female. The pages are entertaining and informative about the rules you must follow when entering the time-space illusion. But the reason that I'm citing this initiation into HTSI, Human Time-Space Illusion, right now, is not for the entertainment provided by B.B.'s story, but rather to explain that these two spirits who became human were not originally connected with Earth. Rather, they were spirits based in a different reality, KT-95, taking a tour of other parts of the universe on a cruise that they had signed up for. And so we see that Monroe's experiences and Edgar Cayce's experiences both support the notion that we are all tourists traveling through the universe and sampling a lot of different realities, apparently never ceasing. Now, the third bit of evidence that supports the notion of our being tourists comprises a number of explanations, relative explanations, given by the entity Seth, and I'll begin to discuss those in the next session. Again, I'm Dan McEnany, bringing you lessons from the helpful dead.